Good afternoon and welcome to Everyday Law. I am your host, Bob Clark. As always, any of the discussions on this show are not the opinions of Howard Community College, its faculty, staff, employees, or students. And any information that you receive from the show is not intended to be legal advice for individual legal situations. If you have a legal problem, it is imperative that you speak to a lawyer and convey to them all the facts so they can give you the best legal advice. Today, we have one of our star guests, our most recurrent guest, my law partner, Alan Steinhorn. Welcome back to the show, Alan. Thank you, Bob. It's always a pleasure to be here. Given recent events, I thought it would be desirable to sort of interrupt our real crime series with Serial and some of these things. We're going to pick them up again in the spring um, and discuss what really is the most important trial uh, in some years. And that trial is the actual impeachment that is taking place in the United States Congress of the present president, Donald J. Trump. And Alan has a vast amount of expertise in this area and also follows it quite avidly, uh, has watched and listened to all the proceedings and is immersed in it to a degree that is greater than my own interest in it. So I thought he would be the man to talk to a little bit about the history and procedures and any expectations that might exist with respect to this thing. So I just say at the outset that this all kind of originates when the Constitution was created long ago. Isn't that so? Yes. Impeachment was something the Founding Fathers put into the Constitution to protect us against a rogue or corrupt president. The Founders were concerned that someone could be elected to high office who would not have the integrity and character that the President of the United States should have. And they argued at the time of the writing of the Constitution about how they would deal with a president who violated the law. And basically, they came upon language that said that a president can be convicted. And let me get the exact language because I brought it out here. The president, vice president, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. That's found in Article 2, Section 4 of the United States Constitution. And I've actually lived through three of the four presidential impeachments. President Johnson right after the Civil War, right? Didn't make that okay. one. That was before your time? No, a little bit before my time. That was in the 1860s, I believe. Correct. But President Nixon, Richard Nixon in 1973-74 time period, um, there were hearings on impeachment for him. Now, he was never impeached. And... Uh, people need to understand that although there were impeachment proceedings begun against him, Richard Nixon resigned from office after Republicans from his party came to him and said, the things you've done constitute high crimes and misdemeanors. We will vote for you to be impeached. You should resign. So Richard Nixon resigned without being impeached. And before I go on to President Clinton and now President Trump, I want to make something very clear that I think is confusing to the public, and I have seen the people that are uh, defending President Trump and fighting impeachment, I think deliberately conflating the terms. A president can be impeached, yet not convicted in the Senate. It is a two-stage process. So impeachment requires the House of Representatives to pass articles of impeachment, where they find that the president has done something as an abuse of office, a violation of high crimes, misdemeanors, and then it is presented to the Senate for a trial. So let's just focus on that for one second. The House of Representatives has hearings, investigations that 
drive articles of impeachment. And then there's a vote in the House of Representatives as a whole with regard to those, correct? Correct. It is kind of like a criminal proceeding in terms of you first have an investigation conducting by law enforcement and they present evidence before a grand jury seeking an indictment. Okay. An impeachment is very similar to that. What's happening in the House of Representatives right now is an investigation and hearings on whether or not impeachment articles should be passed. A president can be impeached but not removed from office if the Senate does not convict him. So when you hear the defenders of the president saying there's no fair due process, the president hasn't had a chance to talk to all the witnesses and this and that, that's equivalent to a criminal defendant saying, you're having a grand jury proceeding about me behind closed doors, and it's not fair. I should be given an opportunity to question those witnesses. But that's exactly how the system is set up. We investigate first. We investigate somewhat in secret. We don't want witnesses talking to each other to get their stories straight. An impartial juror in the grand jury then decides whether the state has presented evidence of a crime. That's all done in secret. Now, the House of Representatives has been doing their investigation. It's not all public, but the depositions, the testimony they've taken, has become public. And the president's defenders, the Republicans, have all been given opportunities to ask questions. Of the, these witnesses. Of these witnesses that were in the deposition testimony before the House of Representatives. Sure. Today, Tuesday, December 17th, the House of Representatives is now conducting hearings as to the policies, procedures, and rules that will govern the trial. But when you hear people talking about, it's not fair, the president's been impeached, he hasn't had a chance to ask questions, the impeachment is simply the presentation of charges. Once those charges are voted on, if a majority of the House of Representatives approves them, they go to the Senate for a trial. President Trump is accused of using the powers of his office to obtain political favors for himself okay, and to also seek the involvement of a foreign country to interfere in our election. This is an unusual impeachment. And what makes it unusual is it's a completely partisan impeachment. Okay. What does that mean to you? It means that only one political party of our two parties is supporting the impeachment. Okay. And generally speaking, when you are about to remove a president for misconduct and egregious misbehavior bordering on crimes, we need the country behind us. And this has been a very unusual circumstance in our country. I've lived through, as I said, three of these impeachments. In 1973, I was 18 years old, and I was fascinated by the Richard Nixon impeachment. My father was a government worker, worked in the Senate office building, and all my life he had come home from work talking about Hubert Humphrey and all these politicians that he knew. And I became fascinated with politics. So when Richard Nixon's impeachment occurred, I followed it. And the thing that struck me about it was that we all, the, all of the politicians agreed on what the facts were. And they agreed that there had been a break-in at the Democratic National Headquarters where agents of some group broke into their offices and tried to bug their phones and steal their documents. Well, what's happening today is a 21st century version of the Watergate break-in. In 2016, the Russians broke into the Democratic headquarters computers. The server. They and about. they basically stole the documents on the server just like they stole the documents at Watergate. Only these were digital. And it seems to me that people are having a little bit of a disconnect about what happened in 2016. If you break into someone's computer, it's theft. If you use the documents stolen, you're using stolen documents. 
So now in 2020, President Trump is accused of withholding almost $400 million in military aid to our ally, Ukraine, who was invaded by Russia. And at the time they were invaded by Russia, Ukraine, a small country, I believe of 33 million people, could not fight Russia on its own. Sure. So they looked to the United States and the European countries to support them against the Russian invasion. And our Congress approved aid. While uh, President Obama was president, they approved hundreds of millions of dollars of aid they gave. And then after President Trump became president, they gave hundreds of millions of dollars of aid. And they gave aid before this current incident. Okay. But what happened was President Trump, and if you, and there are all these Republicans that wear T-shirts to say, read the transcript. Well, none of them have read the transcript. And it's not a transcript, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. It's a summary of a phone call that President Trump people put together. It is not a transcript was, of the actual call. I was going to ask you, one of the things that seems so peculiar to me in this entire proceeding is this phone call. There's a recording of it somewhere. And it's never been forthcoming. And I'm sort of puzzled why well, it hasn't been subpoenaed or brought forth or, or why, you know, want to read the transcript. Let's hear the actual phone call itself. Why has that taken place? Well, there are competing considerations we have to look at. One of them is that discussions between uh, heads of countries probably should be private. I don't know that a um, leader of a country is going to want to talk to our president if he knows that every time he talks to them, the American public gets to hear everything that's said. So sure. that is a legitimate consideration. But when you have activities that constitute potentially criminal conduct, and this phone call potentially constitutes criminal conduct, not because I say so, but because the people that listened to the call thought there was criminal conduct committed by President Trump, and they went to the lawyers. After hearing that phone call, several people that were required to listen to it as the way our government policy works, we have people listening to the phone call so that they may have a knowledge about certain topics that the president doesn't know. But they were so troubled by what President Trump told the president of Ukraine that they went to the lawyers. And what's extremely troubling in this circumstance, and if you think that the president has done nothing wrong, query me this. Why did his people take the tape recording of this phone call and put it in the highest security server in the American government? There are different levels of security for documents that we have in our government. And, for instance, the raid on Osama bin Laden that ultimately led to his death, when that was being planned, it was kept in the most secure server so that people in the government couldn't get it and there'd be no chance of a leak. Sure. This telephone call was not of that substance. It was not of that high-security, top-secret stuff. And yet the people that heard that call classified it on one of the most top-secret servers in the United States government so that no one could hear it. So we don't even know what the president said, but the, the, the most important thing to understand is that the president of the United States in that phone call, please read the summary. All these people that say read the transcript haven't read the transcript. Just about everyone that's read it says this is potentially criminal conduct. The president of the United States told the president of Ukraine, whose country is under invasion by Russian forces, that if he wants the $400 million in military aid that will give him military weapons from the United States, he must publicly announce an investigation of Joe Biden and his son Hunter Biden. His primary political rival for the 2020 election. Correct. So what President Trump did in its simplest form could be described as the crime of bribery. I'll give you $400 million if you give me some dirt on Joe Biden. Correct. And, and by the way, when they say if you give me dirt on Joe Biden, even that is a misnomer. It is, we want you to make up dirt on Joe Biden. When you say, get me the dirt on Joe Biden, it implies there is dirt. 
There has never been a single allegation of fact that Joe Biden did anything corrupt, that his son did anything corrupt, that he did anything illegal. This was occurring three, four, five years ago that Hunter Biden worked in Ukraine. So why wasn't it investigated three, four, five years ago if, in fact, there was criminal conduct, if there was corrupt conduct? When did the corruption become an important issue for Mr. Trump? When Joe Biden became the leading Democratic contender. So do we want presidents to ask foreign leaders to interfere in our elections, to make public announcements that an opponent, a political rival, is under investigation for criminal conduct? And the easiest thing I can think to do, those of you who support our president and think that he did nothing wrong, I posit this to you. Suppose we learned that in the summer of 2016, when Hillary Clinton was running for president against Donald Trump, that in secret, President Obama sent his private attorney to Iran to meet with the Ayatollah. And he told the Ayatollah of Iran, of Iran you know all those sanctions about your nuclear program? Don't tell anyone, but I'm going to eliminate all your nuclear sanctions in secret if you will investigate Donald Trump and his sons. You know, they've been doing things in Saudi Arabia and Turkey. They have really big business deals in Turkey that are being kept secret. And in Moscow. We want you to investigate that. We want you to make a public announcement that you're investigating the Trump children and Donald Trump for corruption. Is that okay? Absolutely not. And I'm going to answer that question, even though it's rhetorical. If President Trump does not get convicted, is not convicted in the Senate, it means that the conduct he committed is condoned. It means that in the future, a Democratic president can go to other leaders. We can go to the president of Turkey and say, you know what, we will give you $300 million in military aid if you investigate my rivals. And if the Senate does not convict, then they're condoning that conduct. Again, can President Obama ask the president of Turkey to investigate Donald Trump before the 2016 election to help Hillary win? and withhold vital aid to Turkey. So what we're doing is it's an official act. What President Trump did with Ukraine is Congress approves $400 million in military aid. There is no discretion for the president to withhold that aid. His official act is to complete the transaction and give the military aid to Ukraine. But he requires Ukraine to do something in exchange for the official act. Now, tell me this. How much money is it worth in political advertising to take the most formidable political candidate you have against you and have everyone in the world talking about he's corrupt. He's under investigation for corrupt. Joe Biden, in all of his years in politics, has never been accused of being corrupt. There has never been a single iota of evidence. Now, President Trump has paid $25 million to settle a fraud lawsuit against Trump University. He paid $2 million in fines for defrauding the public and his charity. The Washington Post says he's had over 15,000 lies in his administration. And yet no one has ever accused Joe Biden of being corrupt. And now President Trump says Joe Biden is corrupt. The Ukrainian investigation will prove it. And what is he doing? He's doing it all out in the public, which makes it less believable that there's anything wrong with it. So while he's being investigated and impeached, and while uh, Rudolph Giuliani, his attorney, is under FBI investigation for criminal activity for his conduct in Ukraine, they're doubling down on it. Last week, Rudy Giuliani was in Ukraine meeting with the disgraced, corrupt, kicked-out prosecutor 
to try and make up false claims about the Bidens. And there are people that believe this. Lots of people, seemingly. And what we're now learning is Rudolph Giuliani admitted last night on uh, one of the news networks that he tried to get our ambassador kicked out of Ukraine so that he could conduct these investigations. And I believe he's also committed slander. I believe that Rudolph Giuliani could be sued by Maria Yanukovych for claiming she was corrupt. There is no evidence she's corrupt. But what's happening is if you repeat a lie often enough, people tend to believe it. And all I keep hearing is Biden, corruption, Burismo. And at a certain point, the facts don't seem to matter. Well, also, when you have sort of a captive group of people who are your fans or your audience, it's those people are going to believe whatever you say. So well, you have a core of some percentage of the electorate that believes whatever President Trump says or doesn't care if he says things that are untrue. And well, that's, that's millions of people. That's the problem. And also our media is quoting exactly what President Trump says without looking at any of the facts to support it. So what we have is unfortunately, a need to educate the public. The public needs to understand what's going on. And just understand this about President Trump's impeachment. He asked the president of a foreign country to announce a public corruption investigation of his opponent and stated he would not get the $400 million in military aid or a White House meeting until this happened. We know this happened because his ambassador he admits it. admitted it. Yeah. We have all these diplomats that came into Congress and testified before the House of Representatives in contravention of President Trump's direct order that they not testify and said, this happened. Why is, why is the president's personal attorney investigating corruption? Why isn't the Department of Justice doing it? Why is our country not investigating an American citizen? but demanding a foreign country investigate an American citizen who just so happens to be the former vice president and who happens to be the president's chief political rival. This is very apparent to practically anyone with an independent, impartial view. Uh, there are innumerable former Republicans that are saying what President Trump did was wrong, illegal, and he should be impeached. But no current Republican, with the exception of a couple, are willing to state that, and the reason is political. They, That's what I was going to say to you. I mean, there are a lot of people who would say, oh, yeah, this wasn't the right thing to do. This was just dirty politics. And the vote in the Senate is going to vindicate the president and it'll help the president win in 2020. What do you say to that? Do any of you fear investigations? If the president can order an investigation of the vice president, that's an abuse of power. We tend to investigate crimes based on facts that suggest a crime occurred. We don't investigate people. So when you hear we need to investigate the corruption of Joe Biden, well, we need to investigate the corruption of pick anyone. No evidence, no facts, but we need to investigate to see if there's criminal activity there. That's what's happening here. And as Ambassador Soderman said, when I spoke to the president, it wasn't necessary that they actually investigate him. That is Ukraine. It's not necessary they actually investigate Joe Biden. What was required that they announce an investigation. Now, think about 2016. This is a replay of 2016. Do you remember the Trump campaign? What was its theme? Oh, my God. Hillary's the emails. emails the yeah. emails. Can you believe the emails? Ladies and gentlemen in the audience, I want you to take a moment. I want you to tell me one sentence from one Hillary Clinton email. 
If there was so much corruption and illegality, certainly you can tell me about the emails. Which one was it? What did it say? Benghazi, Benghazi, Benghazi. 11 hours of testimony, no indictments. President Trump wouldn't sit for 30 minutes. Hillary Clinton sat for 11 hours until the congressman got tired of asking her questions. I'm not proposing that we should revisit the 2016 election and pick a different candidate. I am asking people to be aware of the techniques that are being used to persuade them of certain points of view. And when you hear, oh, my God, the emails, please read the article underneath the headline. All President Trump does is branding. For instance, crooked Hillary. I take my hat off. I tip my hat to President Trump. He's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant at conveying an idea with few words. Crooked Hillary. I mean, it stays in your head. So this is the most investigated human being on planet Earth, Hillary Clinton. What's she been charged with? How many of President Trump's associates have been charged with crimes? How many of them have been been convicted? How many of Hillary Clinton's associates have been charged with crimes? What crimes has Hillary been charged with? Lock her up, lock her up, lock her up. Please tell me the crime. Now, we heard about the server which is an ironic thing because President Trump is using personal cell phones. His children, Ivanka Trump, his son-in-law, are all using personal cell phones. They're using personal email accounts after basing the entire Trump campaign on Hillary Clinton can't be president because she had a private server. No evidence after much investigation that that server was ever breached. But we know that the president's phones, his mail, have been breached. He's making phone calls in public. His ambassador is talking in public outside at a cafe about something of importance in Ukraine, where we know everything is bugged. So get over the propaganda and focus on the facts. So the House of Representatives is going to have a vote with regard to these articles of impeachment, and it is widely anticipated that the Republicans will all stick together and the Democrats, for the most part, will stick together and the president will be impeached by the House of Representatives, correct? That's correct. And don't jump to the conclusion that that means he's been convicted. All it means is that we approve charges against him for violating his oath of office. So this will then move to the United States Senate, where there will be spectacular testimony coming from innumerable witnesses, right? I greatly appreciate your sarcasm, sir. Thank you. Thank Mitch McConnell, who kept a Supreme seat vacant for a year. Supreme Court seat, yes. Merrick Garland. Merrick Garland was not uh, even afforded a hearing for a Supreme Court seat, is now saying that he is coordinating with the president's lawyers as to how best to conduct a trial for the president. It's amazing to me. So that's what's confusing to me. So he's the Senate majority leader. So he has an enormous amount of power because the Republicans control the Senate. And he's working with the president. How does this end up being fair and impartial trial? I believe it was Supreme Court Justice Ginsburg in an interview said yesterday that anyone that does not agree to be impartial before the trial should be disqualified. It is incredulous to me that these folks are making these public statements and the Democrats are doing it as well. Kamala Harris has said that she will vote for impeachment. There hasn't been a trial yet. So your position is everybody should be like, for example, we're both trial lawyers. If you went to trial and the judge said they were going to convict your client beforehand, you would move to disqualify the judge, correct? Correct. Now, interestingly, there is going to be a judge who will preside over things at this trial, correct? The judge that presides over an impeachment trial in the Senate is the chief judge of the Supreme Court, John John Roberts. Roberts, Appointed by Republicans. Correct. Thought to be an ardent conservative. 
it's going to be very interesting because there are witnesses that President Trump has not permitted Congress to question. For instance, John Bolton, National Security Advisor, has said that, according to testimony by the people that worked with him in front of the House and of Representatives, his lawyer too. that Ju- um, Rudolph Giuliani was a live grenade waiting to go off. He told his people to stay away from Giuliani. He told his people to go to the lawyers and tell them what happened. John Bolton has been prevented from testifying by President Trump. And there are people that say, well, it's the Democrats' fault for not compelling him to testify. But working through the courts to get a subpoena enforced can take 6 to 12 months. And the feeling is that President Trump is every day trying to rig the election, as proved by Rudolph Giuliani being in Ukraine, seeking the testimony from disgraced prosecutors who were fired for corruption and using their testimony to make up stuff about the Bidens. So the fear is that as long as President Trump has power and is in office, he will rig the election by doing false things, such as having Giuliani proclaim that everybody is corrupt but President Trump. So we have a trial. Has John Roberts said what way he's going to lean? No one has heard from John Roberts, but John Roberts, as he famously said, will be a referee or an umpire. And his job is to oversee the trial and make sure that evidentiary rulings are correct, although there really is not a lot of guidance in the Constitution about how to conduct this trial. That's what I was going to ask. Everyone agrees that the way the Constitution was written, the trial is a political animal, not a criminal animal. So it's really whatever the politicians decide. But never before in our country has one uh, political party been so opposed to being open-minded about uh, a president's misconduct or alleged misconduct. I would say that the Democrats were not enthusiastic about the impeachment of Bill Clinton. I would agree with that, but there was a lot more working together to try and resolve that dispute. Sure. In this case, the Republicans have done exactly what Mitch McConnell did with the Merrick Garland nomination. They have all held fast. We're not going to allow this to impeach the president. And some of the things they're saying is just quite extraordinary, considering they have to take an oath, raise their hand, and say, I affirm that I will be an impartial juror well, what does impartial mean? It means you haven't made up your mind. So there's fault on both sides with Democrats and Republicans saying what they're going to do before the trial ever takes place. Yes, and I wish they would say, and I even wrote this little note to myself, Kamala Harris has said, oh, I'm going to vote for impeachment. Well, we haven't had a trial yet. I understand that witnesses have testified before the House of Representatives, and we do know what the testimony is. We do know what the evidence says. But until you hear the trial in the Senate, you really shouldn't make a decision. So what I recommend that every senator say is, when asked the question of how you will vote, you'd say, you know, there hasn't been a trial yet. From everything I've seen thus far, it looks like the president did things that would constitute impeachable offenses. But I must keep an open mind until I hear the evidence in the Senate. We need a trial for that. We need witnesses. We need documents. We need evidence. Hopefully, John Roberts will allow that evidence to come in. Because right now, the president, and this is one of the charges, one of the um, claims for his impeachment, the Constitution sets up Congress. Article 1, by the way, the first branch addressed in the Constitution is not the president, it's Congress. And one of their vital roles, in addition to legislating, to creating laws, is to be a check and a balance on the presidency. And they're So you don't to, have a king. You do oversight. And the president has said, I will not be overseen. You will not get any documents from me. You will not get any testimony from anyone, even if it's alleged I committed criminal conduct. Even Richard Nixon thought that was too far to go. He provided testimony. He provided witnesses. He never tried to Bill prevent. Clinton appeared and they gave Bill gave Clinton testimony. testified. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing to me when I think about how the prior 
impeachments have gone, that a president could say, I understand Congress has the right to oversee me, but I refuse. I mean, he has pushed the edge of the envelope on all of that. So my question to you really in, the, in, in finality is this is going to the Senate. It is unlikely that he will be removed from office. What happens if John Roberts is there as the judge at the trial and the Democrats want to call John Bolton as a witness and Mitch McConnell says no? What's going to happen then? Well, Judge Roberts will have to make a ruling at that point. And it is unclear what's going to happen because right now Mitch McConnell is saying there will be no witnesses. And it sounds kind of like a kangaroo court. It sounds like it's rigged. It does. And that's ironic since that's what President Trump said about the 2016 election. And he won it. I mean, I am a person of progressive views, which has been obvious from this show, but I try and be fair-minded. And I have to say that John Roberts, notwithstanding disagreeing with me on many things, has attempted to really engage in a balancing act of being fair to people. And I just – in me is an optimism that this will continue before this highly momentous trial. Well, perhaps we should end the show on this note. John Roberts has tried to depoliticize the Supreme Court. I think most of America feels Congress is politicized, the presidency is politicized, but we hope that the Supreme Court is independent. And John Roberts has a big stake in making sure the public believes the Supreme Court's independent. If we lose that, if the public doesn't believe in the Supreme Court, it may be hard in the future for groups of people, for the majority of Americans, to have faith in our justice system. And I think that John Roberts will make every effort in this trial to be independent and not political. And he's got a very, very hard current to paddle against because the Republicans control the Senate and they are determined to keep President Trump in office. I'd like to thank you, Alan, for appearing to discuss this impending trial. When it's all over, perhaps we'll have you back to discuss the outcome and your thoughts about how it went. Thank you very much for appearing. Thank you for having me, Bob. This has been Everyday Law. I'm your host, Bob Clark. Have happy holidays, everybody. Connect with us. We are Dragon Digital Radio.